So I'm starting a new message series today. It's called How to Be Happy. And I'll be right up front and I'll talk about this a little bit more in weeks to come. I am someone who has struggled for a good portion of my life with happiness. I think growing up, I thought that brooding was one of the food groups. <laughs> and actually, at various stages of my life, not so much now, but certainly in my past, I thought actually that to be happy was actually to be something akin to being brain dead. You know, that if you really thought about the world, you know, if you really understood the world for how miserable it was and how much struggle there was, how much pain and suffering there was, that to be happy, in fact, meant that you were just blind to how things really were. That's what my assumption was actually growing up. I actually don't believe that at all anymore. I believe that to understand happiness is not just to focus on momentary pleasure, but in fact to study what it is to flourish at our deepest level as human beings. That to me is what the study of happiness is all about. It is not about you must be happy or somehow you are failing at life. That's not how I'm coming at this. But it is to look at the methods and the means by which we might flourish and experience deeper happiness, deeper soulful satisfaction with our lives. That's what this message series is going to be about. One of the things that comes up if you've read about happiness, if you've read about how people ha uh, cultivate happiness long term, one of the key factors indeed, the key factor you will read about over and over and over again, one thing, meaningful, sustained relationships over time. And so I begin here today this message series on this day before Valentine's Day by talking about love, by talking about deep and meaningful and sustained relationships over time that are the key ingredient in our happiness in life. Now, even though it's the day before Valentine's Day, I'm not just going to be talking about romantic love. I'm going to be talking about romantic love, yes, but also about the love in our families, and the love with our friends, and also that deepest spiritual aspiration in love, what the Greeks called agape, universal love, which is very much a part of our universalist tradition. What I'm going to say here today can apply to each and every one of those kinds of loves. And today, I'm going to be talking about three very simple words. They are words we might all say regularly. Three very simple words, three different sentences. Three different ways that can keep loving relationships alive. Even if we say these words regularly, even if you don't, there is nothing extraordinary about them at all. But if we really connect into these sentences, really have conscious contact with their meaning, we will understand what it is to open our hearts fully and generously and to live with a truly open heart in such a way that we will understand that we can grow in our love for ourselves and our love for each other. The paradox in all true love is this, that simultaneously we have to move beyond ourselves, move beyond some of the claims of our ego, move beyond who we are, and at the same time move ever deeper into who we are. It is a paradox, one at the same time, beyond and within. Now, the other thing I believe is these three sentences I'm going to share with you, which will not be a big surprise when I share them with you. These are not the only sentences we need to grow in love. But I believe that if we truly practice them in our lives, we will know what it is to love here and now. Not live in the past, not project ourselves into some imagined future, but to truly live in here and now, which is the only place that love is ever the most real. These three sentences form a trinity, if you will, of our orientation to the past, the present, and the future. 
And so here's the first one. We all say it whether we mean it or not. I am sorry. That is the first sentence I'm going to talk about here today. I am sorry. Now, I've done a lot of marriages, performed a lot of marriages over the years. And very often, if the couple requests it, I will offer some premarital counseling beforehand. And I'll sit with the couple and we'll sort of talk. And I've got a few sort of stock questions that I ask. And part of me is, yes, looking for red flags. If the couple does not maintain any eye contact with each other, I'm going to take a look. Hmm, maybe they got a little issue communicating. If they belittle each other, huge red flag. If they talk past each other or about each other in the third person and not to each other, even after I've asked them repeatedly to do so, that is a red flag. But I must tell you, the single biggest one is this, because I always ask these two questions. Uh, you know, what about kids? Is that something you guys are thinking about? And how do you fight? What happens when you fight, when you argue? Sometimes, oh, we don't fight, we don't fight. Well, how do you argue? What happens when you disagree? The couples I have the biggest worry about are those people who say, we never have a disagreement. Their heart's not in the game. The closer we get to people in our lives, the greater, you can probably graph this, the closer we get to people in our lives, the greater the assurance of one thing happening. We will hurt them or disappoint them. That is absolutely true. It is inevitable. And so for those couples who say, we never argue, we never fight, we never disagree, I got to say, well, are you showing up every day with each other? Do you not know how annoying another person can really be and how annoying you can be? I mean, that's the inevitability of this. When we show up, we're going to hurt each other. It also means all the great stuff can happen too at the same time. It is one of the biggest lies that has been foisted upon us. You probably heard me say this before, that phrase, that marketing campaign that went along with love story back in the 70s, love means never having to say you're sorry. There has never been a bigger piece of BS about love ever, ever said. In fact, the meaning of love gets that we actually have the privilege to say that we are sorry. I am sorry. Now, there's a compliment, the other side to saying, I am sorry. And it's also three words, which is, I forgive you. <laughs> to empower ourselves by recognizing sometimes the damage that we have done and also the damage that have done, been done to us by other people and to try to move beyond it. Josh Ritter, who's a great musician. When I heard this line in one of his songs, it's called Kathleen. Wow, my life made sense to me so much more than ever did before. He said, every heart is a package tangled up in knots that someone else tied. When we can live with this sense of forgiveness, I am sorry, I forgive you. It also means reaching back to our past and moving beyond it so that our hearts can start to be less tangled. And to be less tangled is to be more free. And more open. And so that is the first sentence, moving beyond being a prisoner of our past. If we do that well, practice forgiveness well, say, I am sorry intentionally, we may be able to move into the future and into our next one. Say it with me. I don't know. Now, again, we need to say a lot more in the future other than that. But ultimately, that's the most true thing we can say about the future. I, say it with me again, I don't know. We don't know. One of the most fascinating things that for us modern people with all of our wonderful gadgets and all the ways that we have learned to shrink time and space is that we have grown to place such a priority on certainty and power and control. 
And so actually when I read about happiness and read about love, I actually don't like to read a lot of modern thinkers or modern writers. I like to read the ancients. I like to read people who wrote about happiness and love a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. Because sometimes we can think, and I know I can think as a modern person, there was so much they didn't know. There was so much they were uncertain of. There was so much that was not in their hands. There was so much they couldn't control. How could they be happy? And I think that is exactly the secret. Embracing I don't know means that we can liberate ourselves away from certainty and control and into a deeper way of being. Now, if you've been around here for a little while, you probably know that I have some very, well, it's your opinion. I think they're well-formed opinions about music. Some of you have chosen to disagree with me, and we've managed to get along. I'm going to share one of those opinions with you, which is that I think the Doors are the most overrated band in the history of rock and roll. Oh, I know. I, I, we'll, we'll talk. We'll be okay. We can get through this together. One of the reasons I think they are the most overrated band in the history of rock and roll is Jim Morrison had such cheap and easy pessimism. What's that line from Roadhouse Blues? The future's uncertain and the end is always near. Get over being 12 years old, Jim, and come join the rest of us trying to grow up and be adult. It's arrested development. Why couldn't it be the future's uncertain, yes, I don't know, and the beginning's always near? If that is our attitude when we move beyond control, when we move beyond seeing the things we can't control and the things we are uncertain about as something threatening to us, but in fact an opportunity to grow, then we can say, yes, the future is uncertain, and a beginning is always near. I saw such a beautiful articulation of this so simply years ago when I was doing hospital chaplaincy. And I was with, over about the course of a week with daily visits, an older couple, one of whom was clearly going to die. They would not be released from the hospital. Their next move would probably be to hospice. And I could see day after day, especially as the one who was sick was really failing and their health was ebbing away from them, I could see that they were treasuring their time together so much. They really faced each other. I could see sometimes I almost knocked very gently on the door and would peek around and make sure I was not interrupting these beautiful, soulful conversations they were having. At one point, actually, it was the day before the one who was sick was going to be released. I was outside just having a cup of coffee outside the room with the member of the couple who was healthy. And what they said to me, I will never forget... They said, I am learning so much. I'm learning so much about him. At the end, in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst, of course, the heartbreak as well, too, to say still the beginnings are happening. If we can find power in I don't know, I am uncertain, finding power in that is not about dictating the things we can control but about finding power in that sheer receptive presence in saying what I am uncertain about is in fact an opportunity for me, for us to grow deeper in this life. By the way, I use that same principle in how I understand God. Doctrines of certainty about God make no sense to me whatsoever. They never have. How could anyone hope to have the final word on that reality? But that experience of deeper transcendent presence that is very much a part of my life, that's is my experience and understanding of God. So there is a compliment, just as it was with I am sorry and I forgive you, a compliment with I don't know. 
which is this. I don't know, not but, and I will try. If things are uncertain, the best we can say is, I will try. If we can live in this way, released from the past, not having our hearts all tangled up in it, open to the future and recognizing that we can grow through its invitation to live with uncertainty, we will be liberated to the final three-word sentence. The most simple one, and not, I love you. This past week, we put up on our Wellsprings Facebook page. Becky, our outreach coordinator, has been doing this his last three weeks. We call it Wednesday Wisdom. Take a look this week if you haven't seen it yet. It's a quote from the great author Alice Walker. And she said, I have learned not to worry about love, but to honor its arrival with all of my heart. That is someone who is no longer living in the past, no longer anxious about the future, but is open to love's daily call. We might think about falling in love as an act, but being in love is something that happens all the time, whether it is with our family members or the person to whom we are married or sharing our lives or with our friends. I received, for example, a call to ministry. I mean, it happened to me, boom. In the shower, August, Cape Cod, 1993, bang. I just knew I was going to be a minister. But that's not the call. The call is day in, day out, sometimes in frustration, sometimes with great joy, sometimes with a bare amount of enthusiasm. That is answering the call. It is recognizing that with love and saying, I love you. That is a call, meaning it sometimes even when we struggle with it. It means loving the real facts of our lives. I love, love, love the Velveteen Rabbit. Not just because I own rabbits, but I love that book because their understanding of love is always saying, by the way, the author was a Unitarian. <laughs> love is real and love is only in love with the real. When our fur gets rubbed down. <laughs> When we are as we are, not ideal any longer, that is answering love's call in the moment where we are. If we can say these words together. You want to repeat them with me? I am sorry. I love you. I don't know. If we can aspire to when life calls on us to say these words, to really mean them, we will understand a deeper path to happiness and to freedom in our loving. Of course, we can say these words individually. I have said, as part of my spiritual path, living without drugs and alcohol anymore, I have said I am sorry to people who want no part of my life anymore. <laughs> it's okay. We can say these words individually. It's when we're taken together that truly they can make the most difference. We heard it in today's song. We heard it in the fourth song we just did. Don Henley, the heart of the matter. We see the connection between dealing with the past and opening oneself to the uncertainty of the future. Even if the present reality is, I'm not sure if you love me anymore. I'm going to be here and be present and say I'm sorry and deal with the damage done. Opening myself to the future. Even if. Even so. Even though I don't know. That is all these three statements brought together. When we can live in this way, it allows us to imagine a future that might be different from the past. 
There is a tremendous connection between practicing forgiveness and not having be our future or our present to be just an infinite repetition of what has come before us. I recently came across an amazing book. It's by a man named Dr. Izeldin Abulesh. And it is titled very simply, I Shall Not Hate. A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. When there was fighting in Gaza two, maybe three years ago between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Dr. Abulesh, who was himself an Arabic doctor serving in an Israeli hospital, he suffered a pain and a loss that I don't know how any of us could understand or live with. Three of his daughters were killed in a mortar attack that landed on his house. In a review for the book, the great human rights activist and Holocaust survivor, Eli Wiesel, said this about Dr. Abu Leish's path. Eli Wiesel said, hate hates both the victim and the hater. I mean, that's a place where the stakes are really high. But it's the same principle in our lives as well. When we build up these resentments, when our arteries to love get blocked, we recognize that forgiveness is very much like a Lipitor for the soul. It clears out the path that love needs to travel, and it carries us back to life. So, if we vow no longer to live in the pains of our past, we recognize that we can be fully here and love in the present. If we have stopped pinning our hopes on some predetermined image of the future that probably won't come true anyway. If we're just giving ourselves to that future and claiming its uncertainty, we can love fully in the present. In right relationship with our past, in right relationship with our future, we are liberated to love in this moment. Because the only place where love is ever really made real is in the present, in that vast, expanding present that is every moment that we live and allows us to say to ourselves and to other people, yes, I love you. It also wakes us up. It wakes us up that the reality of love means at some point, yes, loss. It means some heartbreak. We can't open our hearts without understanding at the same time that our hearts will be broken and will be full. These are Thich Nhat Hanh's very wise words, understanding about the fact that everything is always changing. He writes, we cannot accept or struggle to accept the impermanence of our beloved ones. And we suffer deeply when they pass away. But... If we will, right here, right now, look deeply into the heart of impermanence, we will do our best to make our beloved ones happy right now. Aware of impermanence, we become positive and loving and wise. You see, impermanence is good news. Without impermanence, nothing would be possible and nothing would change. With impermanence, every door is open for change. Impermanence is an instrument for our liberation. And I would just add to that, this capacity for deep change is the only way to truly answer love's call.
And so I'm going to end by trying to practice not what I'm preaching, but while I'm preaching. I'm sorry. There are times when I have not been as good a listener as I could have been. There are times when I have divided my attention, when I promised you my whole attention. I am sorry. There are times when I did not do what I said I would do. And I am sorry. As to our future here at Wellsprings, I don't know. (laughs) None of us really do. I have great hopes. (laughs) But do I really know? I don't. But, and folks, I will try. (laughs) I will give myself fully to the uncertainty and the hopes. Yes, the future is uncertain and the beginnings are always happening. I don't know. And finally, I love you. I thank you for the gift of this ministry. I thank you for the opportunity and the grace of our being present together. Amen. And may we all live in blessing. Let's pray together. Divine Spirit that calls us fully into this day, this moment, this life. May we recognize love's call. Understand the challenges that come with not letting our hearts get blocked up because of past resentments, past hurts. May we open ourselves up simultaneously to what is to come, knowing that we cannot predict it. May this full presence, this full opportunity to be right here and right now, And to say to this life, to each other, to ourselves, yes, I love. I love you. I love that we are here. May we recognize that this is a call to our healing, not just of the past, and not just to let go of an image of the future. But this is a path of true liberation. May we walk its way today. Amen.